Newcastle. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. I am Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. 62 new cases of coronavirus have been reported for the Hewell Dart region yesterday. 58 cases were found in Carmarthenshire, three here in Pembrokeshire and just the one in Ceredigion. The total for Carmarthenshire is 1,977, 239 in Ceredigion and 580 here in Pembrokeshire. Dr Robin Howe, Incident Director for the COVID-19 Outbreak Response at Public Health Wales, said We urge the public to stick to the rules which are vital to help us regain control of the virus to protect the NHS and save lives. Although national and local measures have made a difference, further action is needed. Cases continue to rise in Wales. Hospital admissions are increasing, including those into critical care. And sadly, so are the numbers of people dying from the virus. If you or a member of your household develop symptoms of the coronavirus, such as a cough, fever or change in sense of taste or smell, you must self-isolate immediately and book a free coronavirus test at gov.uk forward slash get hyphen coronavirus hyphen test or by calling 119. An empty plates protest was staged on Saturday outside the constituency offices of both Stephen Crabb and Simon Hart. The protests followed what Pembrokeshire People's Assembly described as the scandal of their free school meals votes. Due to the COVID restrictions, the protests were carried out by just two local protesters. However, the messages written on each of the plates were all sent in by local would-be protesters following a call-out on social media. Priscelli Pembrokeshire MP Stephen Crabb abstained from the vote while Simon Hart voted against extending the UK government's free school meals scheme for children in England. The protest comes following a flurry of announcements from pubs and restaurants around Britain stating that they have barred Tory MPs following their votes against protecting free school meals during school holidays, including two pubs in Fishguard which have now banned both Mr Crabb and Mr Hart for life. Mark Tierney, the former Labour Party parliamentary candidate for Pembrokeshire South, said time and again both local MPs have voted to cut the help available to those who need it most. Consistently, Simon Hart fails to recognise the extent of poverty in our communities. He has put his party and now his government job ahead of those who may have voted for him. A woman from Dorset accused of leaving her home intending to travel all the way to Glogger during the first coronavirus lockdown period is to have her case heard later this month. 47-year-old Jessica Silverlock of Blackberry Lane in Christchurch is accused of, on April 10th, being away from the place she was living during the emergency period without reasonable excuse. Clenetly magistrates heard on October 20th that Silverlock is charged with, after she was stopped on the A40 at Carmarthen, being unable to give a definitive answer to where she had been going. It is claimed Silverlock said she was en route to Glogger, North Pembrokeshire. Silverlock was not in attendance at the court and no plea has been entered. The case has been adjourned to November 12th. I'm Charlie James and you're up to date on Pembrokeshire. Pure West Radio. See the action live from our studios in Haverford West at purewestradio.com and on our Facebook page. Pure 
Well, a very good evening. This is Pure West Radio. It's Monday night. It's time for the second hour of Pure West Sport. And this is where we get into the debate with G&G Builders. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. We're live on the Pure West Radio Facebook page as well. And we have got our three Pembrokeshire sporting experts. Let me introduce them, although as we go on by week by week, they, they don't need much introduction, do they? Uh, fresh from watching another win for Swansea City at the Liberty Stadium on Saturday, 2-0 against Blackburn Rovers from the Western Telegraph. It's Fraser Watson. How are you, Fraser? Evening, Ben. Very good after today's announcement as well. A bit of light at the end of the tunnel for some sports. Exactly. We'll come to that in just a few moments' time. Uh, he was a bit cautious when we spoke about Wales against Scotland on our Saturday show. Uh, it's Gordon Thomas. You were right to be cautious? Uh, I'm always right. No, I'm not. No, I was uh, a bit sceptical about Wales uh, on Saturday, mate, and they did disappoint. So we'll talk about that during the show. Yeah, and here's a man who actually watched some football on Saturday in Pembrokeshire on the Bridge Meadow. Uh, Have for West County left it late, but they got a point, didn't they, against Barla? Good evening, Bill Khan. Hi, good evening, Ben. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, I was there. I was the only reporter. It was quite surreal, but a good point in the end. They deserved that. Yeah, that's good. And, and we spoke mm. about that uh, in, in the first hour. And there's some, some good stuff on the website as well, pembrokeshiresport.co.uk. Uh, but let's get straight into it in this second hour, uh, chaps. And uh, we, we've got plenty to get through. Let's let's go to Fraser, first of all, because he alluded to this. Uh, today, we had the announcement from the First Minister about what the next stage of the COVID-19 restrictions look like. So another week of the existing fire break lockdown period, but then restrictions change a bit. And as a result, we will see football beneath that top tier, the Haverford West County level, if you like, the, the Cymru Premier League. We will see football matches be able to be played in Pembrokeshire, Fraser. What's the current position? Maybe you could sum that up for us. Well, yeah, it's it's good news for Pembrokeshire football sides and, and amateur clubs beyond Pembrokeshire actually today, Ben. Um, as of November the 9th, when we come out of this fire break, so to speak, we will go straight back into the phase three of the FAW return to to play protocol, which we were due to go in, if you remember, before this, this unexpected national lockdown came. So it means of as of that Monday, um, local sides, all sides below the JD Cymru Pembroke, Premier, as you just alluded to, can play competitive games again, or competitive friendlies at least, games of football, <laughs> that's the bottom line. So friendlies have already been scheduled for that Saturday the 14th, I know Solver and Goodick are looking to play, Clarbston Road and Fishguard, who had arranged the game before, looking to get that game back on, so there'll be you know, time for one training session maybe after we come out of lockdown and straight into it, but it's been a frustrating wait for football, you know, they've had to watch games go ahead in stadiums, which... They've had to watch the JD Cymru action go ahead. They've had this definition of elite players allowed to play, which has caused some controversy. It's very ambiguous <laughs> definition of elite from the FEW at the moment. And finally for them, the wait is over. So it's not just football as well, though. Obviously, the news that indoor groups can exercise of up to 15, that should, we wait for confirmation, that should mean that the indoor cricket league that Pembrokeshire are hoping uh, to get going on the ninth, actually, that can go ahead too. And of course... Needs- and reopen, which is so crucial to many businesses in our area. So all in all, it was good news today. It, it was good news, um, Fraser and, and Bill and Gordon as well. Um, let me let me just, just finish this with, with Fraser because he, he wrote a piece um, in the Western Telegraph um, today, which, which I've read online and it had all the details. And just the, before we get some reaction from Gordon and Bill, uh, the, the rule of 30 will be applied to these 
f- friendly football matches that are yeah. going to be played. That means, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that a maximum of 30 people can be involved with a game. And, you know, we, we can all add up. That, that's 22 players to get the, the starting 11. And that only leaves space for another eight, Fraser. Is that realistic? That is the one sticking point, Ben. The logistics of these games aren't going to be easy. Um, you've mentioned there that there's 22 players. You obviously have the referee, which makes 23. At the moment, clubs are are being asked to um, have a coach for each side, a minimum of one coach and a COVID officer as well. They're hoping that the COVID officer can double up as a coach or a player, which would make sense because otherwise you've got 27 of the at least 1.5 subs each. So good luck arguing over that. Mm. You're right, this this is going to have to be sensibly managed because it could be a situation where teams have got one or a maximum of two subs each. And mm. over a course of 90 minutes, we all know that, you know, it, that's not necessarily sustainable. You could be half an hour in and down to 10 men because you used up all your subs. So they are going to have to be carefully negotiated the, the rules around the front. But you're right, the, the rule of 30. There is a, a national campaign actually at the moment that they're hoping to take to the Senate. There's a joint campaign from football clubs around Wales called Save Grassroots Football in Wales, where they want to increase that outdoor number from 30 to 40. Mm. The fact that that wasn't increased today is pretty damning. I can't see that altering anytime soon, if I'm honest. Well, let's get some um, comments on this. If you go to our Facebook page, hashtag Pure West Sport, you can let us know if you're a football club planning to resume. Uh, Bill and Gordon, let, let's get some reaction to this. Great that we are getting to a place where regulations are are being changed that will mean people can start playing football again. But it's going to be mightily difficult to get games on, surely, under that set of restrictions. Bill, what's your reaction? It's going to need a huge amount of common sense and a a willingness for people to understand the restriction. Uh, Whether some clubs will try to find a way around that is another matter. I'd be interested to know what's going to happen with spectators because a lot of these grounds are in public parks or in places where there's a right-of-way. Like, for example, in Goodick, there's a, a, a road that runs through there. It would be very difficult to stop people parking their cars and watching there. So I'm delighted with the news. I'm delighted to hear that the indoor cricket can go ahead as well. I've spoken to Peter Davis about that today, and he's delighted. It's going to throw up problems there as well, because you're going to have three games in an afternoon. Uh, you know, that's uh, 18 players before you start, a minimum two umpires, two scorers. It's going to be interesting. But overall, we can only say, let's hope it's the start. There's a part of me, see, I'm 73, and I, I have these nervous feelings about coronavirus. Mm. And this is, a, a, to me, it's a temporary measure. And I hate mm. if the thought that as soon as there's any slight rise now or pressure put on by the English government, that we'll go back in yeah. again. And that will yeah. make it even worse because local clubs, as Fraser knows, have had real body blows when they at last started to play friends. And within a week or 10 days of that, they were told, sorry, boys, it's gone again. Gordon, what's your thoughts? Is this too soon to be to be uh, loosening the restrictions as as England goes into lockdown? Wales comes out of the firebreak lockdown and amateur level football can resume. Is it too soon? Is it too complex? Is it too much pressure on clubs? Well, it is a difficult situation, let's be honest. Uh, But I'm delighted that um, clubs can actually uh, play friendlies against each other. I know it's going to be restricted in numbers, but I mean, the boys just are desperate to have Mm -hmm. a game of football on a Saturday Mm -hmm. afternoon. And, you know, uh, 
we we all got to abide by uh, the COVID rules. The government has stated today, as Fraser just pointed out, that uh, it can happen. So I, I just hope that all the Pembrokeshire clubs can make the most of um, mm. of of the situation uh, moving forward. Bill is probably right. It it, it might be only just a stops gap. We could be stopped in another month's time if the R rate is rising. Mm. They have to act. But they are trying to do something. I will applaud the government for that, the Welsh mm. government. They are yeah. trying to allow this to happen in very, very difficult circumstances. So I applaud them for that. And I know the boys in Pembrokeshire and further afield are desperate to get onto the fields and mm. enjoy this Saturday afternoon kick around. So, you know, it is what it is, as I always say. Uh, but let's you know let's let's see how what unfolds from the next few weeks, and uh, yeah. we'll be hoping yeah. next week talking about some games that have actually happened, and we haven't done that for a while. Mm. Matt Fox says we'd settle for a five-a-side game at the minute. Not yeah. ideal circumstances given the rules. They seem a little strange, uh, not yeah. to extend the numbers slightly, but we're more than happy to get going again. Uh, do, do you worry for the clubs at all, Fraser, in terms mm. of having to enforce some of these rules, and and will there be what will the responsibility level be there? The, the rule is 30, and, and who's going to police that? And, and does it put unfair pressure on local clubs to make sure they stick to it? Yeah, of course there's worry, Ben. And certainly with Bill's alluded to, the spectator rule as well. We mm. all cricket in the summer. We all turned a blind eye to what was going on. You've got a ground on a public place. There's no way you're going to bar spectators. You're powerless to bar spectators. A lot of football grounds in Pembrokeshire will, will fall under the same banner. You know, there can be people yeah. who can be walking their dog. <laughs> it might be an excuse to watch the football, but how, how do you how do you turf them away? They're members mm -hmm. of the public on public ground. But you're right, there will be great pressure around the rule of 30. I think for now, clubs have got to adhere to it. You know, they have, it's not ideal, but they have waited this long to play. And my message will yeah. be set up now. You know, and I, I have every sympathy they've been made to wait this long. We've mm -hmm. talked before I think no one is arguing that there's a bigger picture than local football at the moment but the restrictions have been put on local football just haven't been in keeping with other aspects of society and they've come back and you're talking not so much in Pembrokeshire you're talking there's there's division one or JD Cymru development clubs now mm. with good facilities Carmarthen Town for one and they've had to sit back and watch you know teams with mm. lesser or equal facilities yeah in play when yeah. they've got the measures to do exactly what they're doing so i understand the frustration but my advice would be you know don't mess this up now i think mm -hmm. i think no. it's worth saying as well freeze that the people with the responsibilities for this running of the the games or probably someone who's going to be dubbed the covid officer they're yeah. all amateurs they're all people who are in that yeah. club because they yeah. love the club. And for them to do it well, they can only do their best. An interesting side part of it, which I meant to discuss with Fraser today, was I spoke to a couple of people today up in Fishguard, and I was on my walk, who play rugby for um, for Fishguard and Goodick. And they are delighted to see football uh, being played, but they're very concerned because their big concern now is that people who are really fed up of doing nothing and can play a few sports, talented all-rounders, who are going to go from, from rugby and start playing football and realise that perhaps there isn't quite the demand in mm -hmm. training for that and they lose very talented rugby players forever to, mm. to football. Do you see that as a danger phrase? It's an understandable yeah. concern. You know, it's the nature of the beast, isn't mm. it? If you, if you can play football, if that football's the only thing you've got access to it, that's going to draw people to that. You know, mm. at the moment, it's almost futile. You can't do contact training, right? The RFU have just disbanded any idea of having a league mm. amateur level in 
2019, 20, it's inconceivable to think the WRU won't follow suit. You know, we are even we haven't even entered in rugby the, the six-week mandatory contact training for teams can play matches again. You know, it is highly unlikely there'll be any rugby this season. So, yeah, it's a legitimate concern, but I can see it happening. You know, I tell, uh, yeah, I tell you the other thing, uh, Gordon, as well, there's going to be some decisions for managers to make, isn't it? Because they can only pick 11 plus one sub. Yeah. There's going to be interesting yeah, team well, selections. Uh, <laughs> rotate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it is going to be difficult, especially with a few rugby players coming over to switch codes. But uh, I, I'm sure the footballers, they, they won't want any hookers or second rows. No dis- <laughs> disrespect to them. You know what I mean? But a, a fancy winger in uh, rugby could turn his uh, uh, hand to football, mm. no problem at mm. all. Mm. So, uh, well, yeah, you... they'll have big squads to pick from and limited numbers. So yeah. it will be difficult. Yes, but the it. most important thing is they are playing. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Bill? No, I just want to say, let's face it, you and Fraser played Did both codes. No. Yeah, you played both codes. And if you had the chance mm-hmm. to yeah. do that and you were in this circumstance, yeah. you'd want to play. It wouldn't be any, you'd probably sure. go back to rugby. But mm. it's, a, it's a danger for for mm. clubs to think about, you know. I think we have to say good luck to clubs as yeah, well because brilliant. this, yes. this is a difficult time. It's Definitely. a difficult time. And, and you know, there, there are questions we have to ask. There are complexities around it, but they're going to have to follow some strict rules having mm. to deal with guidance as it's coming out. They're all amateurs, as you say, Bill. Uh, they're all people who give up their time to, to, to get football back on in the county so so good luck to them over the next few weeks we're going to take a moment because we have got a uh, former wales international goalkeeper standing by to talk to us in a few moments time uh, we're going to turn our attention to women's football in pembrokeshire we've got joe price joining us in a few moments to, to talk to us about that and about the future of the game uh, for the girls in pembrokeshire uh, do let us know though uh, via the facebook page you can use hashtag pure west sport to get involved if you're involved with the club in Pembrokeshire, you're looking to get a friendly on. How are you feeling as these COVID restrictions alter? How are you feeling about getting a game back on? Do get involved with us. Uh, hashtag Pure West Sports and, and use that Facebook page. It's Monday evening uh, with me, uh, Ben Stone. I've got Gordon, Fraser and Bill on Pure West Radio. The Helping Hand Initiative on Pure West Radio, supported by the Port of Milford Haven. Milford Marina looks so much better when you're dining at the Harbour Master, a friendly and relaxing atmosphere offering homemade food, handcrafted cocktails, and a refreshing wine list. Enjoy a light bite, indulge in a juicy burger, or some freshly cooked fish dishes. Whatever you like, the Harbour Master has it for you. Serving lunch and dinner Monday to Saturday, and yes, of course, a roast on Sundays. Book by ringing 01646 695 493, or send them a message on Facebook. The Harbour Master, Milford Marina. I'm just not feeling it. I need something more glamorous. Have you tried Image by Vanessa? Sorry, who? Image by Vanessa at Milford Waterfront. They have an amazing choice of gorgeous women's wear with professional stylists who can help find the perfect outfit. Oh, wow. What about special occasions? Oh, yes. Image by Vanessa has one of the largest local choices for mother of the bride, cruises and balls. There's no need to go anywhere else. So that's why you always look so fabulous. Thanks. I know where I'm going next. For finer fashion on your doorstep, stroll in store at Milford Waterfront or visit the Facebook page. The Helping Hand Initiative on Pure West Radio in association with the Port of Milford Haven. I've looked after my kids since they were born. Now they've got kids. I still want to look after them. 
I don't want them struggling to make decisions about my money or my health if I can't. So we made a lasting power of attorney. Now, if I can't speak for myself, they'll speak for me. It's a weight off for all of us, isn't it? Yes, mum. <laughs> <laughs> lasting power of attorney. Search your voice, your decision. Salter's Blinds offers a wide range of blinds for every room in your home or office. See our extensive range of vertical and roller blinds made on the premises to find just what you've been looking for. Right now, buy five sets of vertical or roller blinds and get the sixth one free. A professional and friendly service awaits you. So visit our showroom today at Unit 1 Withybush Trading Estate or visit saltersblinds.co.uk. Top quality blinds at factory prices. Unlike some other stations, we broadcast from Pembrokeshire to Pembrokeshire. This is Pure West Radio.
It's Benny King on Pure West Radio. That's just for for Bill Khan, who who likes his oldies on a on a Monday evening. Pure West Sports. I'm Ben Stone in the company of Fraser Watson, Bill Khan, and Gordon Thomas for this second hour. It's the the hour of the show where we do uh, the debate. We call it the second half, and we we cover all sorts of different topics. I'm really pleased to welcome uh, onto Pure West Sport former Wales international goalkeeper Joe Price. How are you, Joe? Yeah, good, thank you. How's everybody else? Yeah, we are all good. Now, the, the reason we wanted to talk to you, Joe, was was we wanted to talk about the the kind of the future of women's football in Pembrokeshire and across Wales. And and you're so well placed to to tell us about it and what what the future holds. Because Fraser, we we spoke on our Saturday show on on Pure West Sport, didn't we? And we reflect reflected on uh, the Wales games in the European Championship qualification matches, and we said uh, it was disappointing they lost to Norway, but actually great that we're talking about the Wales side being competitive at that level. Yeah, and, and isn't that fantastic? I mean, we previously, well, you look at the statistics already in previous games and in the last campaign, it was, uh, I think we lost 4-0, then we lost 2-0 at home and now we're down, we're down to 1-0. So we're doing something right. Um, and, and that's credit to, to Jane and her side, that how hard that the players work um, in order to achieve that, you know. So, yeah, it, I, I mean, Welsh football is moving in the right direction. For sure. That's that's good news. What about in Pembrokeshire, um, Joe, first of all, and then we'll, we'll get Fraser Gordon and Bill, Sorry, Bill in I as well. did I jump in Fraser's... Uh, no, no. Uh, no, no, I, I, to be honest, no, I, I, hear enough, I hear enough from the three of them, so it's, it's great to hear, hear from you. But what about in Pembrokeshire generally? Then, then we'll get the three um, the, the three chaps to, to jump in as well with some of their memories. What, what do you think is the current state of football in Pembrokeshire in the women's game? It, it's disappointing, isn't it? I mean, because girl, when I was growing up, with, you know, 12... 13, 14 plus, it was, I think you had a fair few amount of teams and a really competitive league as well. I remember some of the greats, Jane Lovegrove as well. She, I mean, she really pushed women's football forward in Pembrokeshire. Um, but it, it's quite a sad state of affairs at the moment for the Pembrokeshire League, isn't it? I think, you know, there's only one team, if I'm right, um, and saying that they play competitively and that's Camrose and I know they've got Milford um, ladies there training um, and, and they're not playing competitively and it, it's really sad to see actually um, I'd like to see a lot more teams um, competing but I think you know being in the West Wales League as well it, it it is sad not to see a Pembrokeshire Women's Football League here at the moment and them competing competitively. Mm. You've mentioned there um, people like Jane Lovegrove were so instrumental back in those those days of getting things going. And obviously, um, when you were a youngster coming through, you had the likes of, of Jer- Jerry Rigby, who put an immense amount of work into the county setups. I know Andrew Nichols did quite a bit as well. Is, is that the problem? Is it a lack of those figures prepared to go out and, and organise things and get things going? Or are there wider ranging issues than that? Yeah, I think there's a number of issues, Fraser, if I'm honest. I think um, in terms of, I, th- I think it goes back to um, being active in school and promoting football in school. But I do think that, you know, Jerry Rigby, um, Angie Nichols, John Deason were all fantastic figures in, mm. in the women's game. Mm. And I personally have a lot to to thank them for, for all the efforts that they put in when I was growing up. And um, you, do, you do have figures that are featuring in Pembrokeshire, um, at the moment, you've, I mean, um, Leanne Jones does a lot with Camrose as well. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't think that it's promoted enough um, for the interest of, of, of girls football at the moment. Um, I mean, fortunately, you have got 
the the fact that girls can now play competitively in the boys team up to the age of 16 which I think helps massively um, and I'd like to see the development of a, a women's um, league from that as well you know 16 plus the girls then going into a senior league but yeah um, I went a bit off topic there sorry but yeah I do think that those that, that those figures were um, fantastic for women mm. and girls football at the time. Yeah, we, we don't yeah, mind, Joe, we don't mind going off topic. About... <laughs> off topic <laughs> yeah. is fine, isn't it, Gordon? That happens all the time on this show. Yeah, it does. Joe, you were saying about the senior women uh, not coming in through Pembrokeshire. And in your day, there was like 12, 14 teams competing in a league. Yeah. Do you think the FAW should help with grassroots women's football in not just Pembrokeshire, counties throughout Wales. Do you think that would increase the popular, you know, more players playing? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you know, when when I was younger, we we had very few chances. Um, or I guess the the FAW weren't a huge presence in in this part of the the country um, back in the day. I think it has improved, but yeah, definitely think that more could be done um, down this way. We're kind of like forgotten about in, mm. in this area, aren't we? And it's really really hard yeah. for, for girls um, to be able to to become established. And I think that's why that might have had an impact on on the Pembrokeshire Women's League. The fact mm. that um, girls or women feel that they have to go further afield uh, to compete at a better level to be able to be recognised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Bill, you, you've covered um, women's sport heavily on your website and pembrokeshiresport.co.uk. I remember in our, our former show we, we used to as well. Mm. Um, so, and you're someone who's, who's a big champion of, of, of women's football. What, what do you think the, the answer is in Pembrokeshire? Because it, it's really disappointing to hear Joe say that, that um, because of how far west Pembrokeshire is, it, it gets forgotten. And that's, that's a real shame. It's a very complex issue because, as Joe said, quite rightly, it goes back to schools. There's one aspect mm. where there's so much going on now in sporting activity in schools. In the old days, Joe, you might have had one lady teacher who loved football <laughs> and pushed a girls team like they, like they do in clubs. But I, I just think if you look at it, say, in, in disability sport, Angela uh, Mills has... Angela Miles, sorry, Ange, has pushed every club into this inclusivity, this um, in-sport award. And they're getting more and more clubs who are now pushing, quite rightly, sport for all sport, for everyone. And mm. I think football has missed out on that chance. And I just look at the county executive, and I'm not looking to criticise because they run the county brilliantly. But is there, for example, a ladies football representative on the Premiership League? Um, I, I'm I'm not sure if there is, but do you know what I would love to see, Bill? Is I'd love to see a football representative going into schools and really improving, um, yeah. really improving yeah. the game and really pushing um, pushing people to get involved because it is really really sad to see that there isn't a, a women's a women's or a girls league competitively played here. But that mm. requires money for someone to have that job. Yeah. Does that go to the Pembrokeshire League or to Pembrokeshire County Council? They've got, you know, officers for virtually every role. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Gogar is brilliant. Yeah. Go out, get out, get active. Jess Mm. West does a great job there. Is there a, in in Pembrokeshire County Council, um, Pembrokeshire Sport, is there a, a ladies football or a ladies sport officer there? In, in the league, no, in, the, in the County Council. To, oh, um, to push, I'm not sure. to push the development of that in every club. Yeah, I, I think that that is required, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, and I think it, it would make make a huge impact, wouldn't it, on the participation, especially. I mean, like you said, there's so many things that are on offer and are available, 
Um, mm. But, I, you know, not specifically for football, which is having a huge impact on the county. Mm. And, and like I said, there's there's girls then having to travel to Swansea and to Cardiff and compete there to be recognised or considered for, mm. um, for the national squad. So, yeah, there, there is a huge need for that bill, I think. Yeah, we've had a comment. We've had a comment coming from, yeah. from Gemma Strudley, and this absolutely sums up everything we've all we've just been saying and everything Joe said. Gemma says, "I I live in Pembrokeshire. I played football until I I was sixteen. I'm now twenty four, and I couldn't tell you the last time I played. I would love to get back into it, but I just can't find a team to play for. Yeah, and yeah. doesn't that just sum up the problem in an absolute nutshell? Yeah. I mean, the irony of this, Joe, is that the exposure now around the Wales women's team we just touched upon it is great." before you know the publicity for women's football across the board is greater than ever before you know and you look at in Pembrokeshire we do still have and we're very proud to have them we have Harry James obviously who's not far off 100 caps for Wales now Lawrence regularly involved in the squad and as Gordon pointed out earlier when we were off air Hayley Ladd has got Pembrokeshire connections as well you know so yeah. we obviously still are having people who are progressing but do you fear now that that's almost coming to an end or certainly people being able to play around here and go on and represent Wales. Because, you know, I look at people, talking to people in pre-season, like Fionn Ashman, um, the goalkeeper. she's been at Swansea City, she's now at Aberystwyth Town. That's how far she's had to go to get meaningful competitive football, you know? Yeah. And, that, that's, and that's that's by no means an automatic door through to international football. That's simply going that far to get some competitive club football. Do you mm-hmm. think that having had such a good record in, in recent years, there's people, including yourself, that we may stop producing now women's internationals? Um, I, I don't think it'll come to an end, phrase because no. I think it's, I think if, as, as an individual, if you want something that much, I can speak for myself personally, sure. I knew that I always wanted to represent the national squad. And I, at like, even at that age, of, even at the age of 16, I had to go um, to Bristol three times a week. I genuinely believe if you want it that much. So you, you were picked up whilst playing for Halford West, if I get that right. Originally. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. And that, that's, that's almost inconceivable to think of that happening now, you know. So you went, yeah. went travelling once you were called upon into yeah. But you were able to play locally to be recognised in the first place. That's right. And that was actually thanks to John Deason and Jerry Rigby um, being able to to go to the Welsh setup and be selected for the Welsh setup at that age. But um, I don't I don't think that that will come to an end um, because you, you've I mean, there's a young goalkeeper um, from the south of the county now that she travels up to Llanelli to to the Welsh Girls Performance Squad. And she's actually been selected for the under 17. So it does happen. It just wouldn't happen. It's not as accessible as it is for those in South Wales where you do have development squads on the doorstep. So, no, I don't think it'll come to an end, but I do definitely think that it the, the opportunities are reduced here. And I would like to see more and more people having the opportunity to go up to the development squads. And maybe that is a link that could be made um, with Jane Ludlow so for her to, I don't know whether there be tournaments that are held down here and her representatives come down and they they have a look at players, but that's definitely something that needs to be talked about more um, and raising awareness of that and the lack of opportunity that people do have in, in Pembrokeshire. No, can I say there is a ray of hope in the fact that some clubs, I mean, for the last five years before COVID, I've been to Fishguard Girls Teams yeah. annual dinner and had a... Um, Burger and chips with them on a Friday night with Matthew <laughs> Lamb running all the four teams, eight, uh, tens, twelves, fourteen, sixteens, and they were playing every Sunday during the season and and playing quite well. Now that demands a total commitment on 
on his, him on, virtually mm. on his own with a couple of helpers. But if every yeah. club could get one lady, ideally, who's committed to wanting to see football developed in the, in their area, there is hope. It can be done. It yeah. really can. I think so. And, and Minty is a great ambassador, isn't he, for, for the women's and the girls' game? In yeah, the, don't play him up too much. <laughs> he's all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he's fantastic. And the commitment that he shows to, to, that, to the club and to the girls as well. I mean, he is the, the Jerry Rigby and the John Deason of, of today, isn't he? I think he, mm. he's providing those opportunities. Yes. Yeah, it, it is a case of calling upon more coaches, more volunteers that are passionate about the game. Mm be able to provide those opportunities but mm-hmm. yeah de- you know I, I would love to be I would love to see um those opportunities increase here for, for girls mm-hmm. and being on having been on that journey myself it really does you know it, it helps to have somebody like Minty behind you and pushing you all the way but he's only it's, one club that's the trouble isn't it yeah. Jerry it. had the yeah. sort of it's so great though to, to hear Joe's passion I think Gordon Fraserville you, you you'll agree the the passion for promoting girls' football and women's football is clearly there. And, and there's probably something that in Pembrokeshire and, and across Wales, we're not quite getting right if, if there is an untapped market and, and there aren't opportunities for, for girls to play. I think there must be an admission that we're not quite doing it right and we need to do something about that. And I know I, on this I, show, we'll, we'll support sorry, that. Ben, Gordon, sorry yeah. To, yeah. Sorry to butt in, but I strongly believe that the FAW should um, an mm. officer down yeah. here work with the schools and with Absolutely. the clubs. Everybody needs to talk about and get this off because there are talented girls in this county that could progress for mm. national level. No problem at all. Joe spoke about it herself. She would probably be the perfect candidate to you well, know roll <laughs> this off. You know, <laughs> I, I can give her a job now, but I got no money, Joe. <laughs> oh, come on, you've surely got some there somewhere. He's looking to be your agent, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Gordon makes a really good point there. Listen, we, we could carry this discussion on, I think, for, for some time. Joe, it's been brilliant to have you on. Uh, with your Arsenal links, can I just ask you, because I'm a Tottenham fan, did you um, did you celebrate Gareth Bale's goal yesterday? I'm a Man United fan. I played okay. for Arsenal, but I'm a Man United I, fan. I did. But, uh, I'll uh, always celebrate like anything else. <laughs> yeah, that was a great <laughs> moment. Um, listen, Joe, thank you ever so much for your time this evening. Thank, thank you so you. much for being with us. And, and I think we'll get loads more comments on this. So do, do keep them coming via the Facebook page uh, and this is a topic we will return to absolutely no doubt about it it's Monday yeah. evening still to come before nine we're going to remember the great JJ Williams we're going to talk about his rugby career also his career as a broadcaster and we're going to ask who is the greatest sports broadcaster of all time that's still to come before nine on Pure West Sport The Helping Hand Initiative on Pure West Radio in association with the Port of Milford Haven Netlet UK has the finest self-catering accommodation right here in Pembrokeshire. Whether it's spectacular scenery of expansive countryside or luxurious sea view apartments, Netlet has the holiday for you. Family adventures to romantic cottages for two? At Netlet, high quality properties are available from the north to the south and everywhere in between. See them online at Netlet UK. Call them on 01646 699 264 or email stay at netletuk.co.uk. 
Ooh, had a bump? Not a problem. Here at CFL Commercials in Pembroke Dock, we offer a huge range of services to get you back on the road, fast. In fact, it's not just accident repairs. We also offer body repairs, welding, diagnostic fault finding, MOT preparation, contract maintenance and servicing, and so much more. CFL Commercials is a family-run business that'll take care of you. Find us at the Royal Dockyard, Pembroke Dock, or call us on 01646 681 488, The Port of Milford Haven, proud to be supporting local business. How are you, Bob? Have you heard the news? Good, thanks, Chris. What's that? We're one of the finalists for Butcher Shop of the Year. Oh, congratulations to you and the team, Chris. Wow, what's that smell? That's our homemade freshly cooked pies and pasties that we now serve daily in the shop. Looks and smells great. I'll have a steak and Guinness pie and the usual, please. Prendergast Butchers, Haverford West. Master Butchers, providing the finest quality meats to Pembrokeshire for 70 years. We're open for orders, either in the shop or on our website, prendergastbutchers.co.uk. If you can't get to us, no problem. We're offering a delivery service. Give us a call on 01437 763 387. At KO Carpets, you know quality is assured. We've been your local family-run business for over 40 years. We're widely recognised as Pembrokes' leading supplier of domestic and contract flooring. We provide full end-to-end service, free measures and estimates, free delivery and free fitting by our professional team of highly skilled fitters. Come and see us at Vine Road, Johnston, or drop us an email, sales at kocarpets.com. We're a knockout at flooring. For competitions and local news, follow Pure West Radio on Facebook. Pure West Radio. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, 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 going.
sounding good for a Monday evening. That's Billy Ocean on Pure West Radio. It's Pure West Sport with G&G Builders, a Pembrokeshire company with a team of 30 covering all trades with a fleet of vehicles along with on-site machinery. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. Uh, well, Fraser, Bill and Gordon, that conversation with Joe, I mean, we could have continued that all evening and it sparked some really good yeah. discussion, hasn't it, on, on our Facebook page. Um, Sarah has said, my daughter plays for the Welsh development team travels from Narbeth to Estradmanach twice a week. I agree it's hard being so far west as we are the only one in her age group under 15s. And that was a point, Fraser, that, that Joe made, wasn't it, about the, the commitment of having to travel. Yeah. And, and it's almost, it's a, it's a forgotten element when, when for parents taking their children to play sport, and in particular in that example, isn't it? Certainly, and you look at the age there, she's 15, it means there will be other distractions coming up inevitably. You know, GCSEs coming up, A-levels and things like that, and that's when it becomes even harder to juggle time and that sort of thing. So, you know, that that just sums up entirely what we're discussing, really. Yeah, and a few people are saying we should talk to someone um, from, from the council. Uh, Bill, you touched on that. We know funding's difficult, don't we, at the, at the moment? It, it's difficult for all local authorities. Yeah. The, the council do do a, a really good job at encouraging and developing sporting talent, but I, I just love Joe's passion and I just feel if we if we could tap into someone like Joe, we, we could really do good for, for women's football in the county. Yeah, I know other sports have uh, development officers in the county who are part-time paid by them through Pembershire County Council. And I think, you know, Sport Pembershire with Ben Field does a great job. But if you take, we've talked about Angela Miles, she's been on the show earlier tonight. She's part paid by the Welsh Hockey ladies hockey mm. as a development officer and disability sport with Pembrokeshire. She actually gives more time than she ever thought possible for both of them. But there are others who are, who are um, specialist officers uh, in this county, so it needs uh, just recognition. And that must come from the FAW, I feel very strongly. I'm very critical of the FAW. Mm. I think they, yeah. do, they haven't got their act together with a with a lot of sports, like like the Welsh Rugby Union as well. But don't forget, this is endemic in, say, Swansea City. Fraser goes there. Their demands on youngsters from eight years up to 16 means that they might go to Plymouth or Exeter. The parents are not allowed to go with them. If they want to go, they got to drive there. they got to mm. drive them from Pembroke to there three times a week, and they're not allowed to play local football. It's, no. it's the same in a lot of sports, but that's another I, argument. Yeah, I think we'll we'll return to this. A, a development conversation across all sports is it's such an interesting one. Uh, let's move on now. It's it's coming up to 10 to 9, and time is flying by, and you can get involved on the Facebook page. We're live every week between 8 and 9 on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. Has, hashtag Pure West Sports if you'd like to get involved. Uh, last week, we had, we had the really sad news of the, the, the death of JJ Williams, Wales and, and British Lions, legend and, and Gordon you joined me on Saturday to to pay tribute to JJ Williams one of the all-time greats uh definitely he came from uh, the golden era of the 70s and what a side they were you know JJ won 30 caps for his country um and during that period Wales won f- uh, four five nations which it was then uh two grand slams and you know they were the top side um he then represented uh, the British and Irish Lions uh, on two tours in South Africa and New Zealand. Um, he uh, he scored five, um, yeah, five tries in seven tests for the Lions uh, across those two tours. But where he really came to the fore was in uh, South Africa in the, uh, the second and third tests where he scored a brace of tries in both those games to seal an unbeaten tour. 
and he was fantastic. Kick and chase specialist. Once he had the ball in his hands, there was no stopping him. He was so, so quick. He was electric. Um, you know, I saw some footage over the weekend where he, he scored a try in a, uh, a West uh, Wales, uh, Sweeps Wales Cup uh, quarterfinal against Pontypool at Pontypool Park from his own 22. And he flew up the wing and nobody put a, a hand on him. He was amazing. What a player he was. Mm. He started his career with my stake, played for Bridgen, but where he he really shone was athletically, obviously. He, mm. he played over 250 games for the Scarlets. And he also played on that famous day when Clethley beat New Zealand 9-3 at Straddy Park. <laughs> uh, JJ was part of that team as well. So, you know, lots of fond, fond memories of a, a fantastic, brilliant winger. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll talk. I'm sure in in the weeks to come about where he fits in in kind of the the list of all time great Wales and British Lions players. That's a debate I'm certain we'll have on Pure West Sport. We thought we'd focus a bit though um, to, tonight. Well, uh, kind of recognizing that he was another one of that generation who actually went on to carve quite a career in broadcasting, um, and a lot of players have done. You think of someone like Ray Gravel, who, who became synonymous with being a great broadcaster as well. So we, we thought we'd, we'd open it up and maybe be slightly more lighthearted, but I think this is going to spark some interesting discussion. We're going to talk about who we think is the greatest broadcaster or pundit of all time. And we, we started doing this off air and, and it got quite lively. So uh, Bill Kahn, let's get some, some names from you. Uh, just one rule, you can't nominate yourself. Okay, thank you. No, I'd be out of this, well out of this. And certainly as a pundit, as Fraser would be quick, and Gordon, to say. I got the benefit of being around for 50 years, and I go back to commentators on radio. There was no televised sport. I remember listening to Dai Dower boxing Pascual Perez in Mexico with my granddad, listening on the radio to Eamon Andrews, who went on to do This Is Your Life transfixed by sport and that's that's how I started my interest at that time if you said to me the best commentator there've been a few you look at them over the years they developed but it would have to go to Kevin uh, Keith, Kevin Wilson home is it Wolf Kevin Kenneth Wilson, Kenneth yeah. who did the 66 <laughs> World Cup and finished it off with uh, they think it's all over. It is now. And that was iconic. Nobody can ever forget that when they saw that, when Hurst scored the fourth try, the fourth goal. And uh, it was a marvellous moment. There have been loads of others since, but mm. Kenneth Wilson known for me. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Gordon Thomas, would you agree? Oh, yeah. He was fantastic. It was a little bit before my era, but we've all heard that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, commentary, uh, to be fair, it was. But um, I, I, my... You know, David Coleman was another good um, commentator. He he did football and athletics and uh, other sports. He was fantastic. Um, but for me, I, I I will choose one. It was the voice of rugby, and that was the late Bill McLaren. What a character that man! Mm. Born in Hoke in Scotland, a former teacher. He actually um, he had a final trial for Scotland uh, at Murrayfield. What are you laughing at now? So uh, Fraser had an interruption there for, for the benefit of people watching on the Dad's just page. popped his head oh, through right. the door to give me a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't realise we were live on the radio. Get him in, Fraser, yeah. get him yeah. in. Yeah, Bill, Bill McLaren had a, uh, a final trial as a, a flanker at Murrayfield. Uh, and he was on the verge of winning an international cap. But unfortunately, he was struck down with tuberculosis, TB right, at the yeah. time. So yeah. he missed that opportunity. 
But, you know, he, he had some brilliant phrases as well, didn't he? You yeah. know, when a good try was scored, he would say, well, they'd all be dancing in the streets tonight, you know, that sort of thing. It was great. It was brilliant. What and then when there was accent. a bit of fisty tuss on the park, he'd say, a little bit of argy-pargy there going on there, man. And, you know, was, and if, if the tough guys were there, you know, he'd say, uh, you'd want to meet him in a dark alley in a street, would you, boy? You know, that sort of thing. Wow. Brilliant. He was just off the cuff. Brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. I thought we'd get some good discussion here. I didn't think we'd get impressions, but there we go. <laughs> that was <laughs> the best good, Irish yeah, commentator I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. uh, Fraser, so we've had we've had Kenneth Walsenholm, Bill McLaren mentioned. I mean, I'll, I'll check some. There's so many. I, I, I like people like John Motson, mm. Barry Davis. I think he's such a versatile broadcaster. Fraser, any, any other names to, to chuck into the mix here? Well, McLaren, as Gordon mentioned, was so high up there, was the first to really bring imagery into mm. tree, you know, and descriptions like flailing arms like a mad octopus and the runaway <laughs> Yeah. As well. He come very close to me. I'd say the greatest on the basis that, you know, he could present, he could do the punditry and commentate just, an effect, just as effectively in all areas as Richie Benno. You mm. know, he was so understated. He was so dry, but he was so on the as well. You know, and he wasn't... One of these commentators who would shout and scream. He wasn't one of these pundits who put no. out there to be controversial. There was no kind of ego attached to it. You know, it was almost his natural, calm persona would come out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even in the most exhilarating of moments, if you play back that 2005 Ashes series, you know, oh. the what they dubbed then the greatest test at Edgbaston, the final half. Yes. Yes. And his, his commentary is, is no out of place. There's no getting excited. His tone remains the same. He remains dry, you know. And I. Yeah. I, yeah. Just because he was so good in all three areas, whether you put him in, in the commentary box or the microphone or you had him in the studio, I thought he was fantastic. So I'd have him for me, but certainly McLaren right up there, you know. And yeah, I also had one which I thought Bill and Gordon were quite funny, not by any means the greatest commentator, but certainly someone who knew how to capture the feel of what he was doing. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> you know, he, he, he knew that he was doing darts and, and he did it superbly and he knew how to get the people watching at home excited and the crowd mm. on board, you know. So don't get me wrong, I wouldn't have him anywhere near the best of all time, but he was certainly one of the most entertaining. Well, I, I would have said Richie Benno. He, that was going to be my choice as well. Just You're right. He knew, he had the ability to just pick the, the right number of words to perfectly capture any situation. You've got good radio commentators as well. People like Mike Ingham, Jonathan Agnew does Test Match Special really well. Oh, we've had a mention for, for Murray Walker. Mm. I mean, Bill, if you're talking distinctive oh. voices... yeah. I think yeah. you know Murray Walker. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Form, Formula One isn't my sport, but I think I, you can recognise what a really good broadcaster he yeah. is. Yeah, John Arlett from ID as well. Fraser's never heard of him before. He had the most <laughs> mellifluous voice I've ever heard in my life. I'll explain to you boys what that means after. But he really brought the <laughs> game to life with his soft Devon burr. And there are there are loads, and we all got different ones, and that's yeah. appropriate, isn't it? But I, I'd be interested to know what other people come onto Facebook and say that we've. Forgotten Gotten. How about let's just we've only got a few minutes left this evening, so do do put your comments on um, hashtag Pure West Sport. How about some pundits? Mm. And oh, just one other name I just quickly throw in would be Eddie Butler, just for the voice. If you wanted someone yeah. to narrate your life, you, Eddie Butler, brilliant. It, you know when they put those clips up and it's Eddie Butler voicing, I think they're brilliant. Uh, let's have a quick a quick whip round. Uh, how about pundits? So I people think who modern take day the pundits to me has gone down the pan a little bit. I think this yeah much ego involved we seem to be now in this era where who shouts loudest shouts the best you know I think yeah 
trying too mm. hard to be controversial. I hear the likes of Chris Sutton and Robbie Savage, and and you just wonder if these people are looking yeah. at themselves and thinking, right, do I need to stop <laughs> trying to gain attention? But I will say very quickly before moving on the other two, Alan Hansen was the game. Alan Hansen, yeah. Alan Hansen was the first football pundit who actually moved away from just commenting on what you were watching on the screen. And he'd go and match of the day and he'd analyse games and he'd actually point out things you, you, you couldn't necessarily see at the time. He, he changed the game in that respect. So while the like yeah. Neville and character is so good now with their, their clipboards and, you know, the iPads and automated things, Hansen for me was the real game changer. Even mm. if ever did live down, you'll never win anything with kids' line, but that's another story for another day. In, in rugby, <laughs> well, how about Jonathan Davis? Is a really good. Oh yeah, John, Jonathan's up there, and he, you know, he, he's played the game at both toads, North and uh, obviously rugby union. Knows the game inside out. Not frightened to tell uh, a few home truths. Uh, another one would have been Ray Gravel. I used to enjoy watching Ray Gravel. He was so funny. You know, he was so passionate. Um, you know, always neutral when games. the scarlets were on. Ray as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Who do you listen to, Bill? Who, what, which pundits do you like? I've, I've changed as I've got older. I've actually liked the late Bob Willis towards the end of his time. I loved the way he slapped yeah. people off and said it as it was. A computer yeah. praise, what you see is what you get, I liked with Bob. And I boycott infuriated me because he forgot how hard <laughs> cricket was to play. But he used yeah. to make me laugh. I actually got to like Roy Keane. Can you believe that? A Manchester <laughs> United player, Roy Keane. <laughs> I can't stand Gary Neville, he winds me up a treat. Uh, and Roy Keane doesn't. No, he didn't. But my best pundits, I go back to because I love the humour of it. Saints and Greavesy. Uh, Saints and Greavesy. No, I look at those. Yeah. I, I, I love Jimmy Greaves as a player. I could never believe he spoke as he did. You know, he's a rough diamond. But I do you want to give us a Scottish accent with that one, God? With uh, Gre- uh, Saints. Oh, hi, Jeff. You know, you seem to not have flair, you know, son. You know, stick it on the head, then, man. Yeah, good. I don't, I don't think he can do Scottish accents. We've had so many good it's names mentioned go. there. Uh, yeah, well, we're we're nearly done, tonight. but let's keep keep those comments coming on the Facebook page. Who is the greatest pundit of all time? You can let us know. Hashtag uh, Pure West Sport. We're talking to pundits. These three uh, will be back with me again after eight uh, next week, and we'll get through a, a whole lot more, I, I think, on the, on the show. It's been really, really good. It's it's flown by. It was great to hear from Joe Price um, in in this hour of the of the show. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, we'll have more Pure West Sport, of course, on uh, Saturday. Don't forget our new time between eight and nine. I'm sure Bill Gordon and Fraser uh, will be featuring, and we'll be back uh, to do this show all over again as well uh, next week. So do make sure you join us. And thank you for all of the comments on the Facebook page, chaps. It's flown by. Thank you very much indeed thank for you your guys. company. Yeah. Ronnie J is taking over next on Pure West Radio. 